Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. Today, we are talking with Olivia Plotnik, a WeChat and China marketing specialist and vice president at the International Professional Women's Society based in Shanghai. We talk about growing a WeChat account with zero budget and explain what a QR code is and why are they so relevant and why will you see them everywhere if you go to China. We talk about how brands should be looking at WeChat in 2020 in regards to not only its purpose, but also how to measure success using it as a marketing tool and why 95% of e-commerce brands now utilize something called mini programs inside WeChat. We also discuss the top stories feature in WeChat and what it means to wow content and the visibility you are inherently agreeing to give brands who own the content when you do. Hint, this is an owned traffic hack. Olivia also gives us a couple examples of brands using WeChat well, like Nike, Armani, and Starbucks, and discuss the different approaches and techniques they are using. Enjoy. People are on Taobao with the intent to purchase. So because it is an e-commerce platform, people are already on there. They're looking to purchase. They're ready to buy. A thousand fans on Taobao are much more powerful than hundreds and hundreds of thousands of fans on Douyin. So when you're thinking about this in a broader sense for your brand, possibly if you're selling product, WeChat, you know, that's going to be where you educate your audience, where you provide loyalty programs, where you build that relationship. E-commerce platforms are really where you're going to push to sell. Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half the world's under 30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market no globally-minded brand should ignore. But entering markets like China is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. Times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success expanding into the markets of the Middle Kingdom. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies enter the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful China entry and growth strategies by interviewing the people behind those success stories. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Olivia, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Olivia, why don't we kick this off with a little backstory on how you ended up in China? I actually started studying Chinese in high school. My high school was one of the first high schools to offer this program, um, actually in the U.S. So in 2007, actually my sophomore year of high school, we got the chance to go visit China with a program, a study abroad program. And it was just the most interesting um you know, crazy uh, place that I had ever been. And it really, really struck me and really left an impression on me. In 2015, I picked up and moved by myself to China. um, And I started working at a marketing agency in Shanghai. So back then, we were helping European and North American brands with their China digital strategy and messaging. So websites, WeChat, Weibo. um, And this was back in 2016. So before many programs, before top stories, before so many of the things that we have now, um, when I think, you know, we were just starting to see things become really, really saturated for brands. So 
that was a really interesting time um, to be working in marketing and in China, especially. So since that time, you know, I've continued working in marketing and communications um, and have since started my own small boutique agency. Um, and so now I, I help brands with their social media marketing um, within China and outside of China as well. So you became an entrepreneur once you moved to China. And I find that a lot of people I know that moved to China become entrepreneurs themselves. Why do you think that is? The government actually makes it very favorable, especially, you know, even within the last two years, they've, you know, there's a lot of policies that make it really easy and favorable to open a business there. So I think um, it's not as daunting, certainly, as it would be to open a business in the U.S., I think, just you know, in my opinion, personally, growing a WeChat account with zero budget. We're going to talk about that first um, and some of the fundamentals around how to do that. If you're if you're just launching into China, was this experience was your first experience through FitFam? This was in 2017. So it was just starting to become very, very difficult for brands on WeChat. You know, after 2017, we really saw read rates for accounts drop from about 17% to 5%, which is, you know, a huge, huge drop. Um, that means that it was really difficult to get your content read. It was really difficult to, um, you know, get somebody to actually follow an account. Um, just to give you an idea of how that has progressed now, currently only the top 3% of WeChat official accounts are getting over 10,000 views. So it's become exponentially difficult um, to actually get your content out there in front of the right people. Um, but at that time, you know, we actually became pretty successful um, with the content that we were putting out. We went from about a thousand to over ten thousand followers um, in the span of less than a year. You know, with zero budget, with no um, KOLs or influencers, or we really didn't even have our QR code um, at the offline events that we were doing. So this was really purely, um, you know word of mouth and pushing out this content that we got. So it, it taught me a lot about, um, you know, what works, what doesn't work, um, what resonates with people and how to produce content specifically for WeChat um, in, in China and becoming in Asia as well. And you have, I'm guessing, your own personal QR code on WeChat, don't you? Yes, exactly. So how you are connecting with people on WeChat, um, you know, if you're out at an event or out somewhere, you want to connect with someone, you don't have to share your phone number, very cumbersome, you know, write your phone number down, add me as your contact. All you do is pull up your WeChat QR code within your app and someone else scans that and they can automatically add you as a friend. So that's what um, makes it very easy to connect with people. And I think you know, I might be jumping off into a tangent here, but um, that's why uh, or one of the reasons why it's made it so easy for people to you're not just messaging and connected with your friends on WeChat, but you are connected to an incredible range of people that you might have only come into contact with, you know, once or twice. Um, and it's a completely normal, you know, pretty normal thing to be connected um, like that on WeChat. You did enjoy a bit of buoyancy from the fitness industry 
exploding and growing quite a bit back in 2017 or 18 or even today. Do you have any advice for people growing WeChat accounts with zero budgets in industries that might be declining? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, just to touch on your point, definitely we caught the wave of um, this growing industry at the right time. You know, um, I think the fitness industry has been growing at upwards of like 12%, which is more than double um, than it is in the U.S. So this is huge, huge growth. Uh, And we made the very conscious decision um, at the time to base our communications around the fact that we just want to get you out and move. You know, it doesn't matter what your experience is. We're not trying to make you this, you know, jacked um, supermodel, um, but we just want you to come out and move your body, you know, every day or three days a week or even once a week is is fine. Um, just actually getting in some movement, you know, smiling, the sense of community. Um, so I think that, you know, we really, really leveraged that at the right time and, and it was the right messaging. Um, for areas that are shrinking, um, you know, I think as with any marketing advice, knowing your audience. So being able to really niche down if your industry is shrinking, you know, we worked with a lot of B2B brands at the first agency that I worked in. Um, So this is a very hard sector, especially to do WeChat marketing on. Um, But you have to be very intentional about the content that you put out. So you really want to know, okay, who is my audience and why would they be using this channel, you know, for communication purposes? Okay. But what other um, tools or what other information can I provide them that's going to be of use to them actually in the field? Um, So that's going to help you actually target those people. And I think focusing as well, you know, on different metrics, you know, if your industry is in decline, I think you have to actually more than usual know your target audience and know what channels, what touch points they're on. I think I've been using WeChat since about 2011, and obviously it's changed a lot since then. How should brands and anyone in general be looking at WeChat in 2020 with regards to its purpose, and how should they be measuring success? Relatively, it's not a very long time after brands were able to um, have these official accounts on the platform. Um, But I think it's changed so, so much just within the past two years. And there's a lot of misconceptions around WeChat. I think it's great that there's such a, a big international awareness about the platform now. You know, we talked to brands several years ago and they had no idea what WeChat was. Whereas now I talk to brands who are, are kind of interested in China marketing and they've heard of WeChat. Um, but the problem is, is that they think of it as an awareness platform. So they think, you know, oh, there are one over 1 billion people on WeChat. I am just going to open up a WeChat account and I'm going to start getting people to follow me. You know, the, the phrase that really irks me is when I hear foreign brands say, you know, oh, if we come in and we just get 1%, you know, of the market in China, we're going to 
do great. This is really the most dangerous attitude to enter this market with. You need to be thinking, who is my target audience? You know, what city do they live in? What, you know, tier? Is it a first tier city, second tier, third tier, so on? What channels are they using? Where do they hang out? What influencers are they following, etc. So you have to be very, very careful about it. And how WeChat fits in and how you need to be thinking about WeChat is that um, it's really the channel that you build relationships on. So today, the average person follows about 20 official accounts. And this is nothing. Um, You know, there's well over 10 million accounts. Um, There's over a billion users. So people are very, very, very selective about what brands they follow. Um, but it's still the, the channel where consumers want to hear from brands the most on. So this is where you engage your current customers. This is where you have you know, your loyalty programs. This is where you provide um, product recommendations based on past purchases. Um, this is really where you produce really great content. Um, and you know, I like to, to tell clients and brands, um, if you don't if you're post, you know, if you tried to, if you had to think about it really hard, what am I going to post on WeChat? Um, don't post it. It really needs to have a purpose. And I think today, if you're looking to grow your account, your content has to be extremely interesting. You know, it has to have some uh, educational element to it. You know, we find that with our clients, the content that actually gets shared most today is content that actually helps people um, improve their lives. You know, and interestingly enough, we can tell that actually people aren't reading all the way through this content. They're not even scrolling all the way through it. But when they share it, it makes them look very knowledgeable. It makes them look very good to share this. So producing content that's really going to enhance someone's lives or provide them a high amount of value is really important, I think, for WeChat in 2020. I want to talk a little bit about the larger overall strategy of your digital marketing, your entry into China, taking advantage of other social platforms, and how does WeChat fit into all of that? Yeah, so it can be really daunting because there are so many platforms and um, actually, you know, we can substitute that word for basically ecosystems um, in China. You have e-commerce, so you have those players like Tmall and JD, um, and then you have social media focus. So you have WeChat, you have um, Douyin, which is um, the Chinese version of TikTok. You have Xiaohongshu, you have Weibo. So you have, you know, all of these different platforms, and they all have a, a very specific purpose and intent that you need to be um, using them for. Just like in the West, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, they, they have a, a different purpose. Um, but in China, this is even more so. So I think, you know, channels like Xiaohongshu and Douyin, those are more awareness building platforms. Whereas WeChat is really more of a relationship building platform. It's where you are going to provide experiences um, that take you from online to offline. Um, You know, now we are seeing a lot of accounts actually use WeChat um, as their owned e-commerce platform because you're able to develop 
e-commerce mini programs within WeChat. So WeChat is, you know, definitely a huge part of your China strategy, but you can't be in the mindset that that is your It's the only, only one. Yeah, yeah that, that's your only one. There's there's so much more out there. Each one has a specific purpose. I think a really good example over the summer, I had the chance to work with Alibaba, one of their network partners, to develop a report for them. And so I got to go out and interview um, someone who does live streaming. Uh, and I think Lauren talked a little bit uh, about this on her episode with you, which is an awesome one. You should definitely listen to. Uh, but live streamers, you know, they are basically have a, a phone in front of them and they are streaming live video to followers, you know, usually about a, a product um, or, you know, entertainment. But for Taobao, they have implemented live streaming into their app. And so I visited one of the most famous live streamers um, who does, he live streams pearls, like the jewelry. So he was doing um, 1 million RMB in revenue per day, um, live streaming these pearls. So pretty amazing. But I asked him, and you know, he had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. I asked him about other channels, you know, was he on WeChat? Was he on Douyin? And he's, he gave me an answer that I think is really um, indicative of how you need to be looking at your strategy. And he said, for him, people are on Taobao with the intent to purchase. So because it is an e-commerce platform, people are already on there. They're looking to purchase. They're ready to buy. For him, a thousand fans on Taobao are much more powerful than hundreds and hundreds of thousands of fans on Douyin. He'll use Douyin, you know, just for awareness, just to provide some entertainment to his fans, maybe. But he doesn't really focus on that because his purpose is to sell products. So he uses Taobao. So when you're thinking about this in a broader sense, you know, for your brand, possibly if you're selling product, WeChat, you know, that's going to be where you educate your audience, where you provide loyalty programs, where you build that relationship. E-commerce platforms are really where you're going to push to sell. That's where you're going to make sales. Um, and you know other channels like Douyin and Xiaohongshu, you're going to um, you know get awareness, kind of, again, build relationships with fans, things like this. So you have to really be thinking about it in terms of what are people on this platform for and what should I be pushing at that exact moment that they're on this platform? Because people are very ready to take action. Um, they're using these platforms for a specific purpose. So you have to harness that as a brand. Is there a Chinese version of Reddit? Um, so there is um, Juhu, which is kind of like... I thought that was more like Quora. Yeah, it's kind of like you're asking questions um, and mm -hmm. people are answering them. So a little bit more um, B2B. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm not sure there's a massive player on the market yet, more like Reddit. Okay, let's talk about mini programs a little bit and then how they play a role in your WeChat strategy. What's really amazing about it is that mini programs were launched in 2017 and they didn't really take off until the very end. Um, nobody really knew what to do with them. Nobody was making mini programs. Um, they were very much under the radar. And then at the, the end of 2017, 2018, a mini game came out and it 
you know, looking back, it's a very stupid game. All you're doing is holding your thumb down and getting a pin to jump from one box to the next. Um, but this game got uh, over 400 million users within just a matter of days. So it went very viral. And this really, I think, put mini programs on the map. Um, now we have over 2.3 million mini programs. Um, and that's within, you know, just about two years, less than two years. And I don't know if you know how many apps the App Store has, but it is less than this. So within the span of two years, there's, you know, over 2 million mini programs. 95% um, of e-commerce brands now have a mini program. So they're very, very widely used. Um, and I think you know, mini programs, obviously Tencent has put a ton of focus and a ton of um, investment into making mini programs what they have become today. Um, and the great thing about them is that they really cut through this noise of content. So if we go back to the beginning, um, Alan Jong, the founder of WeChat, when he created service accounts, so when he allowed brands um, and companies to actually create a WeChat account. Those are called service accounts. And his intent was really to provide people um, with a service. You know, you could contact customer service or they could provide you some sort of tool. Um, and, you know, as marketers, as we like to do, we kind of took that and ran with it and, you know, just produced a lot of terrible content and too much of it. And now um, the market is just overrun with, with too much content. Um, so I think mini programs were kind of like a second um, redemption of service accounts that, you know, mini programs provide a specific tool, something of use. Um, and Alan Jong's vision for mini programs, you know, is not to make you spend a ton of time in mini programs. Their intent is really just to be used for something very, very simple and then closed out and you go back to your, you know, your chats. So you're, you don't have to download a separate app to your phone. You don't have to take up the space. You don't have to be switching in between apps all the time. Um, you can just stay right within WeChat and, and use these, these separate apps. What is a WeChat feature that people need to be paying attention to? Aside from mini programs, I think one of, and it's relatively new, it was just launched um, last year, I believe. So there's something called um, Top Stories. And what this is, is basically, you know, when a brand pushes out content to a WeChat follower, you read the article and at the very end of the article, um, you have the option to wow the article. So it's just like a little button, almost as if you were to like something, you know, add a little thumbs up. And actually previously this was a thumbs up. So, you know, if you like the article, you give it a thumbs up um, and you could see how many other people, you know, had liked it. WeChat took this and created um, this, this top stories feature. So now if you wow an article, that means that um, this goes into your contacts' top stories. 
So in a separate tab um, on your WeChat screen, you can go and you can view top stories and you can see content that your contacts have wowed. Now, why this is really significant is because WeChat, we call it um, a walled garden. So as compared to Facebook, let's say you and I are Facebook friends and you like an article from an account that I'm not following or you share something traditionally, I would never be able to see, um, you know, you would never get that reach on WeChat. So there's not like this reciprocal um, reach that happens on other social media platforms. You can only see what your contacts have specifically shared to their moments. Um, it's, it's very protective of the user experience. So this top stories feature actually now gives the ability for brands to be discovered outside of their immediate followers in a way that's less intrusive than asking somebody to share on moments. So when you look at top stories, because you can see who has wowed an article. So I can tell, you know, if you wowed an article um, about, you know, the top 10 beauty trends, I don't know if that's going to be embarrassing for you or not, but you chose to let me, when you wowed that, you know, you kind of consent that, okay, everybody in my network can see that I wowed this. So it gives you a sense of, I'm only going to wow something if it's really good. So when you look at top stories, you know, this is already verified content, verified good content from people I'm connected with. So it's, it's likely going to be something that I'm interested in. It really extends the lifespan of content for accounts. So we're seeing for our clients, actually, when people are wowing the article, you know, we look at, okay, when the article is pushed out, how many reads does it get on that day? And, you know, for the next week afterwards, and we can see because of top stories that the lifespan of the content um, is getting extended. And we can also tell, you know, we've had direct feedback from clients where people have followed the brand and reached out to them specifically and said, I found your article because my friend wowed your content. But, you know, that tells us that people are looking at top stories. They're looking at these recommendations as really good quality recommendations. Um, and it's also, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that on moments, it's very difficult to be, to get people to share content on moments these days. Um, because I think, you know, we talked about earlier, it's very easy to add connections or to add con uh, contacts. It's very hard to get people to share something to all of their contacts. Of course, you can edit, you know, who you share to on your moments, but people are friends, you know, not only with their family, their extended family, their work contacts, professional contacts. So it's difficult to get somebody to share on their moments. What is much easier is to get somebody to actually wow an article. Um, so I think, you know, several months ago, I had someone actually um, argue this point with me that they didn't think top stories was so significant. Um, and in the past few months, the data that we're tracking with our own clients has proven that this is actually, you know, a significant way that accounts are being discovered by people. So I think 
this is a really important feature um, to try and think outside the box. You know, how can we direct people's attention to, how can we get people to wow this, this article? Um, because it's a very, a relatively non-intrusive and, a, and not so difficult thing to get people to do that's going to have a really big benefit for you. I think something else that is also really important, WeChat groups are incredibly important to use when trying to get your content out there. So this is where people are going to get industry-specific news. They likely trust the person that's managing the group. So getting your content into WeChat groups, creating your own you know, brand owned WeChat groups. Um, you know, I know people have talked about owned traffic before on previous episodes. This is really what um, owned traffic looks like, where you can control, you know, who is in there, the content that you're pushing out. Um, and it really reminds people to actually read your article um, and engage with your account. Okay, can you talk a little bit about some brands that are actually using WeChat very well and maybe tease out a little bit about why and what they're doing that you find, you know, deserves people's attention and respect? Yeah, so I think um, a few of my favorites uh, are Apple and Nike, and they're really killing it on WeChat. And the reason why is that they're producing content specifically for WeChat. So what I mean by this is that, um, you know, you are able to click, you're able to swipe, you're able to interact with the content that they are publishing, um, you know, and the content is also specifically made for China. It's not localized for China. Um, this is an overall marketing tip, um, but they're making this content, you can tell, you know, from their China team. So it's very engaging. It's very interesting. It's fun. It makes you feel like you're a part of the story, like you are interacting with this content. You are discovering fun elements. You're discovering part of the story. So it, it, it takes this tiny mobile screen that you have in your hand and really makes you feel like you are a part of another world. And if you look at Nike's content, um, they are doing video, they are doing GIFs, they are doing um, beautiful cartoon designs. They're really using all different forms and mediums of content, which I think you know a lot of brands, um, they don't realize the extent or the variety that you can produce on WeChat, um, even for your mobile screen. So. This is a brand I would definitely check out. You know, Apple and Nike both, they, they're doing really cool things. Um, you look at Armani, you know, last year they had a AR mini program. So they pushed out um, this content to their WeChat followers and you could use their mini program to try on different lipsticks. So, you know, you just turn your camera on and choose all the different colors. Um, and especially now, you know, with rolling out of 5G, I think providing very customized experiences on WeChat is going to be really important. So this is a brand I think that that was ahead of their time on this. Starbucks also does, you know, an amazing job overall with their China communications and on WeChat as well. And this kind of gives you an example of how WeChat can fit into your overall strategy or fit in with other channels. Starbucks really recently released a post 
with an online celebrity uh, live streamer, Austin Lee. So he um, is very famous for trying on all different types of lipstick. So he has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers on his uh, live streaming account. But Starbucks did a collaboration with him and they released a WeChat post um, with Austin Lee and they directed people to a live stream that was going to be happening later where they were going to be giving out all of these prizes and coupons and things like that. Um, so they were, you know, using their fans on WeChat to drive to another channel. So I think the, these are um, brands with consistently really great uh, examples of, of how you can use WeChat. Is it important to now go platform specific and create new and unique content just for that specific platform? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it has literally never been as important as it is now. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, first, you know, as we've been talking about, there's WeChat, which is, you know, you're looking at content on a very tiny screen. It's likely going to be a long post. So you have to think about, okay, what type of photos am I going to use? How are the videos going to look that I'm going to use? Um, but you have all of these other platforms that require, you know, different dimensions, different, different types of content. So let's just compare WeChat and Douyin. Douyin is um, very unique because uh, it is one of, you know, the, the first um, social media platforms that really takes video to a whole different level. Because when you are watching video on Douyin in the app, it, it takes up your entire screen. Um, of course, you have little bells and whistles running across this, but the video that you're watching, if it's been produced correctly, is taking up your entire screen. So that's a very um, rich viewing experience. Now that's um, going to, if you produce video for WeChat and let's say you've produced it in more of a horizontal format, you then copy that over to Douyin, your, your viewers are not gonna have the same experience. You're not gonna be giving them a very rich experience on Douyin. So I think um, it's very, very important to think about what platform you are creating content for um, and just basics of dimensions and how you filmed that or how you've shot that content is incredibly important um, as you know the rise of these small video apps um, come in and i think you know we're going to be seeing a lot more of vertical video there i'm not sure if it's in the us yet but in china they came out with a tv that you can actually um, rotate so you can watch things uh, horizontally or Oh, it's in a mobile, the, yeah. the aspect ratio of a mobile phone. But as yeah, a, exactly. So, um, you know, if you film something, uh, you know, for a regular TV screen, that's not going to show up on a vertical screen or, or vice versa. So I think now has... And of course, it makes things very complicated, but now it's never been more important to actually visualize, plan for, okay, where is this content going to be used? How are we going to shoot it? You know, when, when you're creating content or when you're planning for it, you know, this is what I need for this platform. This is what I need for this platform. And doing that all in one is going to make that a lot easier and, and better for your audience. 
what are some of the things that you are constantly educating brands about when you start working with them? Yeah, so I think, uh, and I'm sure across any social media platform um, or you know anywhere in the world, it, it's same. But people are very focused on, say, vanity metrics. So for WeChat, people are very, very focused on followers. You know, we want to have 10,000, 20,000 followers. And number one, you know, as we talked about before, people are just not following WeChat accounts anymore. Um, You may have a really active user, like they may read all of your content, but they read it from seeing it in groups or something like this, but they're not actually following your brand. You know, they may be converting on your content, but they're still not a follower because they just don't, they don't want that. They don't want to take that action. So to me, follower is not really so so valuable anymore. And I think this leads to a lot of trouble because people want so many followers. They're willing to do tactics um, that are in the long run, in my opinion, actually going to be really harmful for your brand. So if you, you know, try to do um, very heavy, like promotional tactics, um, you know, share with five friends and get them to follow this account and then we'll give you a coupon. Um, The people that have followed your account for this promotion, the next time that you post content, you're likely going to lose all of those followers. So that that really hasn't done you anything in the long run. Um, and I would say that for no channel, um, especially WeChat, has it ever been more important not to waste your time and money on trying to convince someone that they should follow you, that they should like you, that they should buy from you. But it's important to focus on getting your content, you know, in front of the right people with really good content. So I think, you know, not focusing on followers, but focusing on, okay, how many people are reading this? How many people are sharing this? What we look at is how many people are reading through what percentage of the article. So how many people are reading halfway through the article and dropping out? How many people are reading 100% of the article? Um, Really focusing on what actions people are taking? What engagement are people doing with your content? Olivia, this has been a great show. Thank you so much for all your advice and your insights, especially into the world of WeChat and beyond. What is your number one piece of advice for brands looking to enter the Chinese market? Great question. So I I talk about this often um, and I think it's really, really important to find the right partner and find the right team in China. um, Because no matter how much you read, the number of people you follow who are talking about China, um, the number of times that you visit China, you're just not going to understand it. um, As well as, you know, someone who has grown up there who is Chinese or who lives there currently. Um, And so finding, you know, the right partner, the right team to work with, and actually empowering that team. So I think a lot of the biggest mistakes um, that brands have made is because they may have been working with a partner in China, but they overruled their decision or they didn't listen to them when they said, you know, 
don't do this or they didn't um, take their opinion. So I think having a partner, having the right partner in China and empowering them to make decisions for your brand is going to be so crucial for your success. Amazing. Olivia Plotnik, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope that you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with. My good friends at WPIC Marketing and Technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands just like yours enter China. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Negotiation. And if you're interested in being a guest or want to connect with me or any of our team, please reach out to us at podcast at WPIC.co. And be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Zai Jing.